Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Weeks ago, I ministered on the topic of how to overcome in perilous times, and I didn't finish, and I want to go back to that uh, topic tonight. In uh, uh, the first point that I made, and we looked at uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Let's turn over there again. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, verse 6 and verse 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We also know that uh, Paul told Timothy, he said that we should be aware of the fact that in the end times and latter times, perilous times would come, times of stress, times of difficulty. Of course, he's not insinuating that we should be stressed, or that we should experience difficulty, but the times would be stressful. And when the times are stressful and when the times are difficult, you have to stand against that getting into you. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. So being in this world, we can be confronted with some of the same things that that to confront other people. And if we let our guard down, those things can get a hold of us, but we're not supposed to let our guard down. Amen? And so the first thing I mentioned was developing a sensitivity to the Spirit's leading. Uh, and, and I don't mean by that that uh, you go around being paranoid and looking over your shoulder and wondering, you know, before you open every door, Lord, should I go through this door? Is there a booger behind that door? You know, I'm not talking about living that way. I'm talking about living in uh, constant fellowship with the Lord. I, I said on Sunday night that everybody in this crowd, if you're born again, you're just this close to... to uh, living a life that is really spirit-led. If, if, if you're not already, if you feel like that being led of the spirit and really being directed by the Lord is just something that's just so vague and you've never been able to, to quite uh, uh, you know, get a hold of that or experience what you hear other people testify of. And I said, you, what you don't realize is you're so close. And whenever you've really learned to follow the spirit's leading, you'll go, oh, Oh, I could have been doing that all along. This is not a biggie. It's not something that's difficult. Why would God make being led by the Spirit difficult? Why would he put it on such a level that we would, we would, it, would be, it would eliminate most people's ability to, to uh, have that blessing? God wouldn't do that. Now, the only reason is is because we live in the natural and, uh, and live by our senses most of the time and we're just not paying attention to what's going on on the inside. So I pointed out, you know, that we need to develop a sensitivity to the Spirit's leading. I I mentioned uh, uh, five things by meditating in the Word, by looking to the Word first in every decision, by practicing the Word. Sometimes we don't realize how the two are connected. Just by practicing something that the Spirit of God has uh, brought to our attention from the word of God. It may be a, just a sense, you read a scripture and you sense, well, you know, I'm not really doing that. I'm not really praising God enough or I'm not really, you know, I could, I could be more thankful than I am. It's not that there's a quota on praising God, but if the Holy Ghost, you know, when you read a scripture like this, be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, you know, you're really not doing that. Well, just by obeying the prompting of the Spirit and obeying the Word and acting on the Word, we don't really realize sometimes how closely that is connected to being able to, uh, to get the next message from the Lord. Whenever we don't practice the Word that the Spirit of God, I'm not saying that, you know, if you don't practice all of the Word, you've got all, you know, cylinders firing, all that's not what I'm talking about. None of us are perfect, but when the Holy Spirit... Uh, ministers to you or you read something in the Bible and it just seems, just seems to stand out. You just realize, you know, I, I know, Lord, I, I need to do that. Well, if you'll do those things, uh, it, it's very easy then to be, to have your ear open. That 
that puts you in a place of fellowship with God where it's easy for him to make the next comment to you. Praying in the spirit was the fourth one. And then all of these sort of tie together, uh, instantly obeying the inward witness or the inward voice. Just obey. Now, I also want to mention this. This wasn't one part of, the, uh, of these uh, first five, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead us on our end unconsciously. Sometimes it's, you're not even aware until later that the Spirit of God was leading you, but because you're in a habit, if you get in the habit of just uh, following your innermost intuitions, sometimes you, you might not even connect that. It might not even occur to you that it's the Holy Spirit, but by doing that, you're, you're like I call, just unconsciously being led of the Spirit. Good example of this was, uh, and, and let me back up. I said this last week, in the day in which we live, there, there, we know the world is a dangerous place. We hear all about, you know, all of the things. We, we, you've heard the news today of what happened in San Bernardino, California uh, today about the mass shooting out there. Uh, these things, you know, because they're on the news all the time, they can, they can cause you to be uh, overly concerned. We don't need to be overly concerned, but we do need to be led by the Spirit. Because we know that lawlessness is growing, it is abounding, it is increasing. And so uh, just that fact makes it uh, uh, a possibility that we could encounter something that could be a very dangerous situation. But when we're led of the Holy Spirit, he'll lead us where we need to go. And so an example of that was uh, of this unconsciously being led of the Holy Ghost. I recently talked to Lois Toucher, you know, with Shekinah Glory, Ray and Lois. And uh, if you'll remember back in 2001 when the uh, World Trade Centers were attacked, uh, if you'll remember their testimony, they were in New Jersey that uh, weekend, that previous weekend, had been ministering in a church, a a pastor friend of ours, a good friend of ours. He and his wife, we've been on vacation with them before. They're just a great couple. And Shekinah Glory was ministering in their church over the weekend. Well, on, uh, uh, was this a Monday that happened or a Tuesday? So Tuesday, I was out of the country. I kind of lost touch of when it happened. But yeah, on Tuesday. Anyway, they had stayed over for a couple of days. They had ministered on the weekend. And then they were going to stay over and go into New York City and, and uh, just, you know, just do some shopping and just ring around. And, uh, and the plan was, the pastor had this all worked out, that on Tuesday, I think they were doing something on Monday, on Tuesday, he was going to pick them up, he was going to drive them into the city, and they were going to go to various places, and one of the places they were going to go to that day was the World Trade Center. They were going to go there in the morning, of Tuesday morning. And, um, uh, and so I, I've heard Lois talk about the fact that, you know, they just, they just had a sense that they shouldn't go. And so they called the pastor up, actually, that night. They either talked to him on Sunday night before they left or they called him and they said, you know what, we're, we're, not, we're just not going to go. We just, we just don't want to go. And, um, and so they, they didn't go and, of course, you know, the towers were attacked and, and, and their lives were spared. Uh, they could have been there. Don't really know, but it's, it's very possible they could have been there when it happened. And so I called, I called Cindy not long ago and I said, I just want, I want to, I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about it. And so she put Lois on the phone. And I asked her, I said, now, when, when you decided, when you sensed that you weren't sp- supposed to go, did you sense that the Lord was leading you? She said, oh, no, no. She said, I didn't, I didn't sense that it was a leading. I said, or was, you, was it more of an unconscious? She said, she said, it was absolutely unconscious. I just, we were planning on going, and at the last minute, you know, I just, I just didn't feel like going, just didn't feel like we would, we would go. She said, I, don't, I didn't really sense the Holy Spirit warning me, don't go to the world, you know, World Trade Center. It wasn't that. It was just, you know, on the inside, I just don't feel like going. Well, what she was doing, she was being led of the Spirit but she, by following her inward man. There was something on the inside of her that just, she just sensed, you know, I don't want to go. I don't, let's not go. And so they decided, no, we won't go. So they called the pastor up and said, if it's okay. He said, that's fine. He'd already made plans, you know. He said, no, if y'all don't want to go, that's fine. And so sometimes you can be unconsciously led. Other times you'll be more aware that the Holy Spirit is leading you. But the point is, if you'll get in the habit of just following your innermost intuition, whether you, whether you try to, to uh, 
or whether you detect, you know, the Spirit of God warning you or not. Uh, the Spirit of God is always leading us. Amen? Now, you can, you can, you can become uh, so uh, cautious that every little whim and every little fault, you know, you kind of bounce all That's not what I'm talking about. We should stay balanced in our life. Amen. Being led of the Spirit won't turn you into a weirdo. It won't turn you into a uh, person that nobody can figure out. You know, one minute you're going, the next minute you're not, the next minute I'll change mine, next minute I'll change mine again. That, that's, not, that's not the Spirit's leading. Amen. Just uh, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Amen. So that was the first point, developing a sensitivity to the Spirit's leading. Uh, and also, I'll, I'll say this in connection with that. Uh, we, ha- we know some other pastors that have a church just outside of New York City. And uh, uh, they have kind of a large church. And a lot of the people in their church, well, I'll say several people in their church, actually worked in the World Trade Center. And they didn't lose one person from their congregation. Every one of those people who worked there that went to their church had some kind of an unusual something that came up that caused them not to go into work that day. Some of them got up that you know, morning and said, you know what, I'm going to take a personal day today. And they just took it. Others, you know, uh, there, there were different explanations, but, but for, for one reason or another, they decided to not go into work that morning. And that church didn't lose one person. Now, like I said, there were several people in their congregation. Well, it pays to be, to, to be led of the Holy Spirit. But also know this, the Holy Spirit, it, when the stakes are high, he knows how to, to get things across to us, even if we're not listening, it, it may be as good as we should. You, you understand what I'm saying? Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. But that, shouldn't be, that should not be an excuse to not live uh, quiet and listening. Amen? Hallelujah. So the second thing I want to talk to you about is overcoming in perilous times is we need to pray, uh, seriously pray for our leaders. I want you to go with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And when I say seriously pray, what I mean by that is not just talk about it. You do know that believing in prayer is not the same as praying. You do know that agreeing that we should pray for our nation is not the same as praying for our nation. You do know that agreeing that our, that our leaders need prayer is not a substitute for actually praying for them. Amen? Well, in, uh, in, in 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 2, you know, we have this passage of uh, an exhortation to pray for those who are in authority. I tell you what, when you... When you hear the things that are going on today, it should alert us that this is serious. Our nation is in, is in serious turmoil. There is political turmoil in our nation. There is social upheaval in our nation. Lawlessness, lawless groups. There is an anarchic, anarchy spirit uh, uh, in, our, in our nation that is surfacing in a lot of different places. There are people today that are becoming more vocal than ever before that uh, they, don't, they don't believe that they're responsible for any uh, of their own actions and it's everybody else's actions and they'll do anything necessary to get their point across. We're living in a very violent time. And we need to realize that this is not going to change until we pray. I mean until we get in the habit of praying and stick with it. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all, for all men. And then he tells us who particularly, in particular he's talking about. For kings and for all who are in authority. Well, we don't have a king, but we have leaders. We have a president, we have other leaders. But those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He said, I exhort that supplications, prayers, intercessions be, giving, be given and giving of thanks be made for all men and especially for those who are in authority. Why? So that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. 
how we want as Christians, we want the freedom. Because he goes on to say, it's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved. When, when we are walking in, in living our lives in quietness and peacefulness and godliness and reverence and so forth, when we're able to conduct ourselves the way we need to conduct ourselves, it creates an atmosphere in the nation for people to be born again. When, when people are uh, stirred up, when, when hatred and strife is stirred up in, in a nation, it, 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 it hinders the preaching of the gospel because people get all uh, involved and they get their politics involved and their little special group identity involved and so forth. And, and he said, we need to pray for our leaders uh, so that uh, we can live the kind of life, you know, when very often leadership is responsible for a lot of things. He said, very often, this would indicate that pray for our leaders that we might lead a quiet and peaceful life and that people would be saved. That tells me that the right kind of leadership and, and leaders who are, who are being influenced by God, by the Spirit of God, create an environment that's healthy in the nation. Well, the counterpart of that is that leaders who are not being influenced by God, who, are not, uh, who, who haven't been prayed for, their leadership results in things that are not peaceable and not good and not profitable. Isn't that right? And so we need to pray for them. Uh, pray for our own nation. Pray for the people of our nation. And uh, these, these, are not something, these are not prayers that we just pray once and forget about. Uh, I, I lead the church in prayer on Sunday morning for our nation and, and I do it to keep it in front of us. But by no stretch of the imagination uh, uh, would I uh, have you believe what we pray on Sunday morning is enough. It is not. That is not sufficient. Again, the only reason I do that is to keep it in front of us. Um, in, uh, in Ephesians, go to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, the scripture we read over in First Timothy talked about supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. We know that, that supplication and intercession, because I've taught on this recently, both of those are, are, are fervent prayers. And they're prayers that we need the help of the Holy Spirit uh, to be involved in. You, you, you don't just take uh, three minutes out of your schedule to, 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 to make supplication. That's not the way supplication works. It's, it's, uh, there's casual praying and then there's not casual. There's praying that's not casual. Well, praying that's casual is, or has to do with things that a lot of times aren't so urgent. More urgent things require more uh, uh, urgency in prayer. Isn't that right? Well, we're living in a time where uh, our nation and our leader, leaders need, there's an urgency. And so we need to, to, to spend uh, whatever time the Holy Spirit gives us to pray, spend that time in, in supplication, earnest, heartfelt prayer, for our nation, and he said to be persistent. This verse said to be persistent. Why do we have to be persistent? Well, the reason we have to be persistent is because uh, uh, people very often have yielded to wrong spirits. We know that we have authority, and that's my next point. Actually, I jumped ahead two weeks ago and, and we and prayed just a few minutes exercising authority. We have authority as Christians over our own lives because we've been born again we've become a child of God and uh, uh, we, we have authority over the devil we have authority over uh, all of the works of darkness we have authority over all of his plans over every evil spirit we have authority to live our lives victoriously and so we have, we have the right to rebuke the devil resist the devil stand against the devil give him no place and, and, and he flees. Well, we don't have the same right 
where other people are concerned. I can run the devil out, of, devil out of my life, but I can't run him out of somebody else's life unless they want help. A lot of times people don't want help or they're just not, they're just not knowledgeable. They don't know they need help. Well, when, when, uh, when you're faced with that kind of situation, uh, exercising our authority has to be done in prayer and it needs to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will inspire us to pray about certain things and, and he will lead us to pray about certain things that we would not otherwise uh, have the, have the uh, spiritual go-ahead. Well, like I said, you just can't carte blanche just say, well, I'm going to pray for everybody on my block. And I'm going to rebuke the devil off of everybody in my block and I'm going to claim all of their salvation and there's not going to be any wife beating on my block and there's not going to be any drinking on my block and there's not going to be any gambling on my block and they're not going to be taking drugs or selling drugs on my block. This is my block and I'm taking it over for the, de- for the Lord. A lot of people have that kind of an idea. You hear people say, I'm claiming our city for Jesus. You know, that's really a lot of hot air. I'm just telling you it is. A lot of people have built, Brother Hagin used to call them spiritual air castles. You know, they've built these, they, they, they take some truth and they blow it out of proportion and think, well, you know, I can, I can do all these things because I have authority over the devil. So they say, well, I'm claiming my city, you know, we're going to run the devil out of town, I'm claiming my city. Well, that's just not the way it works because uh, the devil has the right to be in your city. He does. Adam gave him the right. Satan is the God of this world. Remember when uh, uh, Satan came and tempted Jesus, he said he took him up, you know, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And Satan said to him, I'll give you all these kingdoms and all the authority of them if you'll fall down and worship me. Well, Jesus didn't say, I got you. You can't offer me that. That's not yours to give. That belongs to me. That's not what Jesus said. He just rebuked him. Said, no, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So Jesus didn't rebuke the devil because what the devil was saying was actually true. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, Jesus, God had given mankind through Adam and Eve had given mankind dominion over the entire earth. Well, when Adam and Eve sinned and transgressed, and yielded to Satan's temptation, they surrendered that authority to him. That's how he became the God of this world. And these evil spirits that are present in the earth today, uh, they've been here for a long time. And they have a right to be here. There, there's some suggestion in scripture that when God gave the earth to Adam and said, I want you to, to exercise dominion over it, there, there's, there's a strong uh, indication in scripture that that was only for a time period. That, and, and some people refer to it as Adam's lease, that mankind had a lease over the earth. And, 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 and at, the, at the end of that lease, then uh, things will change. And there are a lot of people, and I tend to believe, won't go into all the background for it, I believe that lease was for about 6,000 years. And the seventh thousand year will be the millennial reign of Christ and that least might be might be seven thousand but I think it's six thousand years because at that time uh, if you go back from the history of, of Adam to today now we know that the earth is older than six thousand years and we know that there were men like creatures on the earth that predate Adam we know that we can see their bones but that was a th- those were creatures of a pre- uh, Adamic race that was here before Adam ever came on the scene and there's scriptures that, that deal with that I won't go into all of that tonight uh, I have before but that that uh, kingdom in the earth that cosmos that existed then was completely overthrown because that was the part of Satan's rebellion Satan uh, ruled Lucifer at the time was what he was called. He lived on the earth. He had a kingdom on this earth and he rebelled against God and God overthrew all of that. Well, there were, there were human-like, men-like creatures at the time that uh, existed and they all rebelled with Lucifer and they were all destroyed. But spirits live on. 
I said spirits live on. And these spirits that Jesus cast out of people were disembodied spirits of that pre-Adamic race that existed on the earth. Otherwise, remember when Jesus cast the devil out of people and, uh, and the demons would speak up and they'd say, uh, 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 you know, don't cast me into the deep. Don't cast me into the, into the abyss. And so Jesus would give them permission to go into, in one case, he gave them permission to go into some, some swine, some pigs. And the pigs ran off down the hill and killed, killed themselves. Well, what happened to the spirits when the pigs killed themselves? Well, the spirits came out of them and they're still roaming around. The point is, why didn't Jesus, and you hear people sometimes say, I rebuke the devil, you demon spirits, and I order you into hell where you belong. Well, you can't do that. You can't do that. They have a right to be here. They were here before men were here. They have a right, a right to be here for the present time, and that's why these evil spirits are here. And evil spirits, the same evil spirits that Jesus cast out of people in, in uh, Galilee and so forth, they're still there. They're still tormenting people there today. They're still influencing people. Well, there are evil spirits everywhere. They're evil spirits where we live. They're evil spirits in high springs that have been here from before the, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. They've been here longer than that. Well, you're not going to run them out of high springs. You follow me? We don't have the authority to do that. And if people want to yield to them, they can. So what we need to do is we need to pray for people. Pray for people because God can do nothing in somebody's life until somebody asks him. So, for instance, you've got a neighbor down the street and he's full of the devil. You know he's full of, I mean, some people you just know he's full of the devil. You ever met anybody like that? This, there, there's no way to explain this person's conduct. They've just got an evil spirit. You just There's something wicked about them. Well, you know, you can't make them you can't, you can't take the authority over the devil and cast that spirit out of their life unless they want you to. So that person's going to still be a, 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 a demonized, you know, mean, wicked person. Now, if they come on your territory and start some stuff at your house, that's your house. You've got authority there. You, and if they start stuff with your kids, you can say, no, sir, you're not doing These are my kids. I run you off in the name of Jesus. Again, you don't deal with the person. You deal with the spirit. But you can, you can rebuke the devil. We have authority in, where, as, as, in as much as it affects our lives. But that person is still going to be full of the devil. They're going to bother somebody else. They're not bothering me in my house. But you can't stop them from bothering somebody else going down the street and causing problems. Well, what do you do for a person like that? You pray for them. I said, you pray for them. You pray for them, and by praying for them, by praying for them, that gives God an opening into their life because someone is asking on their behalf. Now, God will not make them straighten up. He will not make them get saved. He'll not make, if, they, if they're determined to live for the devil, they're just going to do it. But when you pray for them, you can, you can what that does is it, it enables God, it gives him an opportunity to work in their life and to begin to influence them. Because most of you will, will, uh, will remember a time in your life where you weren't serving God and you were going the wrong direction, and you were listening to all the wrong voices, and, and you had, you know, you were just living a, a life that was, that was contrary to God, but you remember how God got a hold of you. And, and things started happening in your life, and God started dealing with you, maybe through somebody or through some situation that happened. And, and you, you look back now, and you say, oh boy, God, God really... I mean, he just showed up in my life and, and led me out of all that. Well, somebody was praying for you. Somebody was praying for you because God wanted to do that all along. But when somebody was praying for you, he was able then to get in and start influencing and doing things in your life because someone was praying for you. Well, when it comes to uh, exercising authority, we read this scripture in uh, 1 Timothy just a moment ago that there is one mediator, one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, 
Because he offered up his uh, own self as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, he poured his life out, shed his blood for the sins of the whole world, and God, through him, forgave all of mankind of their sin. All of their sins have been dealt with. Because of that, Jesus has a certain amount of authority uh, where people are concerned that nobody else has. He really, Jesus really, in that light, when you look at it this way, Jesus really is the only true and qualified and, and uh, uh, acceptable intercessor for men, of the, men on this planet. Jesus alone has the, has the right to have uh, influence and to, to make intercession and to reach into somebody's life and change it. He alone has authority because of what he did. You remember the scriptures say that, that we are a purchased people, that Jesus bought us by, well, the truth is he bought everybody. He didn't just buy Christians. He bought Muslims, he bought Hindus, he bought uh, all kinds, he bought atheists. He paid the price for every, he bought everybody. Now, not everybody has responded, but he bought everybody. What I'm saying is he stands in a unique position, unlike any of the rest of us, where his authority is concerned over people, but the problem is he's not here. I'm talking about the man, Christ. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ. Well, the man Christ Jesus is not in the earth. And you have to be in the earth to exercise authority in the earth. That's why people in heaven, listen, you know, some people think that, you know, grandma went to heaven and she's still praying and God's still, no. What grandma, whatever she did for you and praying for you happened while she was here. Now, the effects of her prayers, because she prayed in faith, God will honor those prayers right on and right on and right on. But people in heaven are not interceding for people on the earth. No, you'll find no scripture to support that. They're not praying. They're not, they're not, uh, uh, they're not influencing you for good. But one man, there's one man who has the right to, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, because he paid the price he he paid the debt of every man, woman, and child. He has the right, but he's not here. He's in heaven, and he can't exercise authority in the earth while he's in heaven. That's why he needs us to exercise authority. We are the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. So any authority that Jesus is going to exercise in the earth, he has to exercise through us. But here's the thing I'm getting to. We, we have to yield to his leading. We cannot just exercise authority per se over people that, that we don't know or we're not related to who, who are not under the governance of our, of our spiritual authority. We can't just per se exercise authority over somebody's lives. But when, the, but when Jesus, because of who he is authorized... Because of who he is and what he did, when the Spirit of God begins to bring us into harmony with his intercession, with his flow, he can inspire us to say things and to do things and to pray things and to declare certain things and to take certain authority. He can do that. And, and when we do it by yielding to the Spirit, it's not just us doing it. We're doing it in, in fellowship with him. Do you understand that? And that's when, that's when taking authority and that's when praying for people becomes very, very effective. I'm not saying you shouldn't just pray for people, but be led by the Spirit. And if there's somebody that is on your heart that you know they need God, you know, very often that's the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of you, trying to get you to, to enter into a prayer a compact with the Lord Jesus Christ. Begin to pray for that person. Begin to make supplication for that person and let the desire of Jesus and the, and, and the intercession of Jesus for that person because he has authority to move in their life that I don't have, but I can exercise his authority. I don't pick and choose. I have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Well, the same thing is true where our nation is concerned. 
We need to be led by the Spirit in praying for our nation, in praying for the people of our nation, in praying for our leaders. And the Spirit of God very often then will show us as the body of Christ things that we need to take care of. I know uh, uh, back in, in uh, 1974 when Richard Nixon, was it 74 that he resigned from office? In 1974, I had only I got back in the fellowship in the fall of 72. I started going to church because I still had a lot of carnality in my life and didn't want to go to church. But in the spring of 73, I started going back to church. And uh, uh, shortly thereafter, not too long after that, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I was reading my Bible just you know just uh, feverishly you know sometimes hours a day just hungry for God and. Uh, but I, had, I still had a lot of that old life in my mind. I, I was a political activist even as a young man. You know, I was a, I was a, a leftist. I was a, a liberal. I believed in all the wrong things. Uh, uh, I was a, a kind of a, a water carrier, you know, for the, for the cause, you know, on the left. And uh, I would go to rock concerts and stand out front and collect money, you know, for our political party. We had a left-wing, left-wing radical political party that I was part of. And we ran Benjamin Spock for president in 72. Remember Benjamin Spock, the, uh, the uh, pediatrician? Uh, he was our presidential candidate. It was called New Party. And anyway, I, I was very involved in that. Well, you know, I, of course, you know, we tried to get him on the, on the ballot in Florida and we failed, but he was on the ballot in other places. But we, we went around taking, you know, getting people to sign petitions to get him on the ballot. We got thousands of petitions. We didn't get enough. He didn't get on the ballot. So anyway, I voted, voted for McGovern, uh, you know, who was, the, who was the Democrat, you know, the, the, uh, the left-leaning uh, uh, candidate. So I voted for him, you know, against Nixon. And uh, when I got back in the fellowship with the Lord, Right after, you know, uh, in 72, right after that, uh, in the fall, uh, you know, a lot of those, that persuasion was still, you know, in my life. I hadn't, the word hadn't washed all that out yet. So I drove my little Volkswagen to church and I had a little Volkswagen with a big old McGovern sticker on the back. And here I come up to church, it's a little small southern Pentecostal church, you know, and I got my, my locks, you know, and my beads and flowers and stuff and I come to church and... And, uh, but I still had a lot of animosity against the, quote, unquote, the establishment, you know. And, uh, uh, and so I, I, when Nixon went through, when President Nixon went through all of his travails, you know, legally and the, all the stuff that came up with water, uh, Watergate, you know, I was just, yeah, right, get him, you know. Dirty dog, warmonger, you know, get him. I still had a lot of that in me. And I never prayed for him. And one day I was at work and... Um, uh, and I was I was around a lot of other people, but I was nobody I knew. We were all standing in a crowd, and we were watching. Remember, we used to go to department stores, and they had all the TVs up on the second floor. You know, the console TVs, and everybody go up and all the channels. You know, it was the same channel. And and, and Nixon was going to leave Washington D.C. this day. He was. This was the day he was going to get aboard. You know, um, uh, what's the helicopter called? Marine One. You know, and he was going to. Fly to, you know, California. And uh, all the TVs in the department store, you know, and I was working, uh, doing telephone work in that department store, and it was break time that morning, you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning. All the TVs are on this, you know, the same picture, the helicopter's there. And so I'm standing there, and, and about that time, the president comes out, you know, and he gets aboard, you know, Marine One, turns around and gives his famous wave, you know, goodbye. And people all around there were some people were saying, that's a shame, you know. He shouldn't have been treated that way. Other people were thinking, oh, he's a dirty dog, you know. And pe nobody knew each other, just shoppers. And I'm standing there just listening to this, minding my own business. But it, on the inside, I was going, yeah, serves him right. Serves him right. We finally, you know, we finally toppled him. And just as, as real as anything, the Holy Ghost just said to me, I mean, just, it was no question it was the Spirit of God. Just, he said, yeah, and it's your fault and the rest of the Christians. And he said it just that, just that uh, 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 sarcastically. It's exactly how, how he said it. He said, yeah, and it's your fault and the rest of the Christians because you never prayed a day for him. Well, what are you going to do then? You don't argue. Guarantee that. <laughs> and, uh, 
But the, the fact of the matter is, we have the government we have for good or bad because of prayer or no prayer. That's the truth. That we have what we have because we've prayed or not prayed. And then several years later, I heard uh, in 70, 1979, Brother Hagen had a similar uh, uh, situation. He was, and he published this in, in 79 or 80, the first time I heard about it, and it was the exact same experience I had. He was in only, it was different in the fact that he was in a, a room with a bunch of ministers, and he, he felt like he needed to pray. And so everybody started praying. And this, this went on from about midnight to about 4 o'clock in the morning. It was after a camp meeting, I think. And all the speakers together in the room and everybody was praying. And he, he had a vision. And the Lord spoke to him and said, the things that happened to your nation, Watergate and so forth. He said, I'm not holding the man who was then president responsible. I'm holding you responsible and the rest of the church because you didn't do what you were supposed to have done and you didn't pray. Well, the same thing he'd said to me. And uh, what Brother Hagin talks about is the fact that the Lord showed him that there were these evil spirits that were trying to, to move across the country. And the Lord said the same things happened in 1972 and I, or 1970 and I showed you these things and you didn't do anything about it. He said, you didn't pray like you should. You didn't take authority like you should over these evil spirits. And he said, that's why some other things and the things that happened to the president, that's why it's ha it happened because you and other people didn't pray. And I told you to pray and you didn't do it. And there was, there was economic problems that came in the early 70s. There was a lot of social unrest. If you remember the, the uh, killings that took place in the early 70s, remember the, uh, the uh, Black Panther uh, party that was going on that were terrorizing people. Remember the Symbionese Liberation Army? Do you remember any of that going on? People were being terrorized you know, by, these, by these radical groups. That was that social upheaval devil that, that the Lord had, had warned Brother Hagen about and he didn't take authority over it like he should have. Well, these things are our responsibility. But, but the Lord showed him this. He showed him these spirits that were trying to, to, to leapfrog across the country and, inf and influence the political realm, the social realm, and the financial realm. And Brother Hagen and probably others didn't do anything about what they saw. But, you know, but, but then in 79, the same thing happened. And, and that's when the Lord said to Brother Hagen, and people, are, people will mock you when, you when you stand up and tell them that I said that the church is responsible for what happened to President Nixon. He said, but you wait, when those people stand before me, they won't be laughing when they get the judgment rather than the president that, that you had back then. But then the Lord said the same things are about to happen again if you don't pray. This time, Brother Hagen prayed and took authority. And one of those things, the Lord said something, this was in 1979, something is going to, 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 to happen. There's going to be an, another attempt against the president and something bad's going to happen, but you can stop it. Well, when was it, 80 what, that, that President Reagan was, was uh, attempted, his attempted assassination? 81, I'll always believe that's what that was. Brother Hagen took authority over it. The other people in that room took authority over it and prayed and disaster was averted. I believe it would absolutely have happened if, if Brother Hagen hadn't prayed. Well, the same thing is true today. What happens in our nation is a result of whether or not we take our place in prayer. And again, notice that the Spirit of God gave special direction. So we need to be open to the to the. We need to pray what we know to pray. He didn't say, I, I exhort, first of all, that if you're led by the Spirit. He said, I exhort that you pray for all who are in authority and so forth. Prayers, supplications, intercession, getting for things. We're told to do it, but we should expect the Holy Spirit to help us. We should expect him to, to you know what it's like when you begin to pray and the anointing comes. When that anointing comes upon you to pray, your prayers are especially prevailing and especially powerful at that time because you're working with the Lord. He's working. He, you know, in Romans 8, it talks about the Holy Spirit takes hold together with us. That word, you know, in, in Romans 8, uh, 26, where it says he helps in our weaknesses. 
It's a long word. It says, he takes hold together with us. Well, why does he? Well, I mean, if it wasn't necessary, if it was just up to us to pray on our own, he wouldn't take hold. He takes hold together with us against our, the things we don't know to pray, what to pray about or how to pray about. He'll take hold together. We need that. And as the church, we have to. Amen. We have to have this kind of prayer. I want us to just spend a few minutes again tonight praying before we go and pray for our leaders, uh, pray for our nation, for revival in our nation. Uh, let's, let's all stand and uh, lift our voices to the Lord. Pray what you know to pray. And I tell you what, there is a revival that is, there, there is evidence of revival in a lot of places. In our nation, pastors are talking about it, people are talking, but it's not just here, it's, it's happening around the world. And there, revi- revival time is here, but if we don't pray it through, it won't have the effect. It, we real, it really will not ever uh, fulfill what God has for it to fulfill. The revival will never reach the level it should unless we pray. So let's pray tonight for our leaders, for our nation, and for revival. Father, Lord, we, we lift up and we make prayers and supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks for all who are in authority. Father, we pray for our president. We pray for all of those who are in authority in our nation, in our state houses, our, our uh, uh, local governments, Father, and, and especially right here in Florida and right here in Alachua County and High Springs, Alachua, where we live. Father, we pray for those. We ask you, Father, to help them, give them mercy, give them grace. Every man and woman in a place of authority, whether they're elected or appointed, but they serve and they have a place of authority. Father, move on them. Help them, Father. Give them grace and mercy, Father. Help them, Lord, to be the kind of leaders we need, Father. Father, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and and, uh, reverence and honesty, Father. We know, Lord, that it's your will for men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And we know, Father, that a time of revival like we have today is a time when people will come to the Lord. They'll come to the knowledge of the truth. But, Father, we we need our leaders to be in a place where they're not hindering and not opposing by their actions, by their regulations, by their rulings, their laws. That we need, we need a government that is out of our way in a, in a sense so that we can preach the gospel unhindered. Father, and, and we just pray for, for them because of the influence they have. Our leaders have tremendous influence in setting the tone and the, and the mood and, the, and, and the, the, in some degree, the spiritual climate of our nation because very often they yield to wrong spirits. They, very often they, they're governed and, and influenced by demon spirits. Father, give them the grace to not yield. Give them the help, Father, to not yield to the wrong spirits but to yield to the right spirits, Father. Oh, help them, Lord. Glory to God. Help them, Father, to do the right thing, to govern, Father, honorably, to govern for the right reasons, to govern, Father, for the good of people and for the good of humanity and not for personal gain. Father, we just ask you, Lord, to give them grace in this time. Our leaders need our help. Our leaders need your help, Father, and we pray for them. Father, that you would help them in every way. Stand against the forces of darkness. Stand against the temptations of power. Oh, Father, we know that that power is a very corrupting influence and that people in places of high power, high authority... They have temptations that we're not even aware of, Father. We know, Lord, that the, that the, the pressure upon them is great to do wrong, to, to yield to wrong groups or to wrong motives or to wrong special interests. Father, we ask you, Lord, for that they'll all have the ability to somehow break out of that, to get up above that. And, and whether they realize it or not, whether they recognize you or not, Father, give them the ability to just come and do the right things, Father. 
Oh, we pray for them, Lord. We pray for the people of our nation. Oh, Father, that repentance would come to our nation, that an awareness, an awakening, Father, would take place in people's lives, that people would turn to you. Father, we ask you to give revival, send revival in the church in a greater measure than we've seen, Father, that the revival will grow and spread and become greater and more intense. And, Father, that more and more people, their hearts will be turned to you. You know, Father, how to reach people that we can't reach. You know how to turn a heart, Father, in a way that that no one else knows how. But you know what makes that person tick. You know what will influence them. Father, we ask you, Lord, to move on the hearts and, and in the lives of people in our nation, that they'll turn to you, have a hunger for you, stir up a hunger in our country, in our nation for godliness, stir up a hunger in our nation for people to know you, to not be to not be uh, 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 deceived in, into accepting religion and accepting things in place of the truth. Father, that there'll be a heart in people, that they'll be tired and unsatisfied and not willing to accept religion anymore and not willing to accept, Father, a weak and powerless gospel. Father, raise up a, a hunger in our, in our nation for the real power of God. Father, for your grace and your anointing for, for rightness and, and, and for holiness and for and for intimacy with you, Father, for a real, genuine experience, not just a watered-down religious experience, not just a pat on the back, not just to be told everything's okay, but, Father, give, a, give people in our nation a hunger, Lord, to know you and to forsake all to follow you and to put everything uh, on the line, on the altar, so to speak, to have an experience with you that's life-changing, that's real. Father, reveal yourself, reveal yourself, Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself to people. Reveal yourself to our nation. Reveal yourself to our population, to our people, Father. Reveal yourself, Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.